The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitä Pelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our Paragon for today. This time we are joined by a Paragon who is the 14th in this series and he's from Northern US currently, formerly from Southern US and he's Samuel Healy. Welcome, Sam. Hi, good to see you. Oh, good to hear you. I can't see you, but <laughs> it's good to be with you again. How has it been in the north? It's been really good. I think the last time we talked was um, a couple years ago at Essen. And yeah, since then, there's, there's been a lot of changes. Um, I've, I've left the Dice Tower. Um, I've moved up to Washington State from Florida. So mm-hmm. quite literally from one corner of the country to the other. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Washington State now in the Pacific Northwest of the of the North American continent, I guess you could say, um, yeah. just below the Canadian border, um, about in the middle of the state uh, in a town called Wenatchee, and I'm working with uh, Mythic Games now. Um, they are the publisher of Joan of Arc, Reichbusters, Solomon Kane, um, Super Fantasy Brawl. Uh, we've got... We had three new Kickstarter projects last year of uh, Steam Watchers, actually four, now that I think about mm-hmm. it, four. We had Enchanters, 
um, Steam Watchers, Hell the Last Saga, and we also did Darkest Dungeon there uh, in November. Um, and those are all in the works. Uh, Steam Watchers is about to go to production. Uh, Enchanters is fulfilling right now, along with Solomon Kane, and we are um, about to go to uh, production with uh, the Joan of Arc 1.5 that was run before I actually came on board, but we've got everything ready to go for that pretty much now, so we're about ready to go to production on that one as well. So we've got a lot of stuff happening, but uh, it's it's good. It's a good year. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask that if people don't know who you are and what do you do, can you tell what you, what you do and who you are? You already told what you do now, but... Um, People might know you from earlier, from the Dice Tower. Sure. So, what did you do there? I used to be a Dice Tower minion, uh, working with Tom and Z and, and Roy and uh, uh, Mike a little bit as well. He came on closer to the end of my my time there, but um, he was a he was a, a contributor for quite some time before that. Um, but uh, I was a Dice Tower uh, reviewer. And we did top tens, and um, I did reviews of games and so forth, went to conventions and did different events there as well. So that's what I used to do. Um, before, well, before that, my full-time job was a high school teacher, mm -hmm. and I was also a part-time youth pastor. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, those... Those things, I, I, I stopped being a teacher in order to go full-time with the Dice Tower for the mm -hmm. last, I guess, three, uh, three maybe four years that I was working with, with Tom and the guys. Um, before that, it was just a hobby, you know, that I did with them yeah. after work and that type of stuff. But uh, for about three, maybe four years there, it was a full-time job, and uh, it, was, it was a great time. Um, the... Uh, I had to move up to the Pacific Northwest uh, to be here for my kids, and so that warranted my needing to leave the Dice Tower. So mm -hmm. it was an it was an amiable separation. There was no bad blood there at all. It was just something that had to be done. Um, and you know, I miss working with the guys a lot, but I I do enjoy my job at Mythic, where I am. My job title is U.S. Community Director, and basically mm -hmm. that means that I do a lot of um, work in um, the comment sections of the Kickstarter pages, the different platforms like Facebook and Twitter and so forth, um, communicating with fans, uh, asking, answering questions, you know, uh, uh, being on our Discord channel. I'm also... Um, uh, going to be uh, the one that uh, is going to be running Super Fantasy Brawl tournaments online at the very least. Mm -hmm. I'm also uh, tasked with uh, getting things set up for the conventions that we attend, whether they're online or in person, hopefully in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm also tasked with that type of stuff as well uh, as being part of the community director, um, you know, coordinating the teams of the booths and, and that type of stuff as well. So... Um, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, there's also some proofreading and, and playtesting that's thrown in there as well from time to time. So uh, it's a mixed bag. It's pretty much, um, I do have a set, uh, I'm pretty much on the marketing team of the company, um, working with communication, but um, 
you know, we fill in the gaps where we need to and when we need to. All right. Do you miss creating content, videos and uh, such? Well, <clears throat> you know, I was just thinking about that a, a, a while ago. I was talking uh, with uh, some of my friends up here. And I miss, <clears throat> I miss being in the studio with the other guys. I miss mm-hmm. the camaraderie that we had at the Dice Tower. Um, mm-hmm. I'm working at home um, remotely with mm-hmm. Mythic um, because they're based in Paris, France, and I'm all the way over here on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. it seems like. Um, so there's no office to go to. So I do miss that aspect um, a lot. I don't necessarily miss the content creation because I am still doing that a little bit. I, I make a newscast video uh, for mm-hmm. Mythic every week. And that's that's one video a week. And, and sometimes I'll be doing uh, a couple live videos, you know, here and there as well uh, for Kickstarter campaigns and so forth and so on, answering questions or uh, showing off product or, or what have you. So I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm still, I guess you could say, dabbling in the content mm-hmm. creation aspect of the industry. It's just not as intense as it was with the Dice Tower. Um, one of the things that you kind of slip into with the Dice Tower is that if you're not careful, um, having to always play the new stuff and not really <laughs> having a chance to go back and enjoy the stuff that you liked, you know, the first time through, uh, can, can be a little wearisome. Um, and, and it can really start feeling like work rather than something that you enjoy doing. Um, yeah. and while it's still just, you know, you're still just playing games, there's the aspect of, I need to get this done so that I can, uh, get the video shot and I have to understand the rules. So I have to get those read a couple more times and I have to, I have to, I have to, and it becomes mm. that if you're not careful, um, yeah. with, with working for mythic, it's a lot different because we only have, you know, uh, we have a set number of products that we, we are offering and, it's, it's much easier for me at least to dig into those few projects that we have and know them as you know backwards and forwards and be able to talk with people and, and give suggestions and, and, and that type of stuff. It's much easier for me to do that than it is to mm-hmm. um, have to be playing the new stuff all the time so that and, and, and never being able to return to the stuff that, that maybe you want to try another time or, you know, something like that. Usually I would try to play a game, uh, at least two, maybe three times before I did a review. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but after that, there were, I mean, I, I would, I would probably say a good 90% of the games that I reviewed for the dice tower. I haven't played since. Um, I've yeah. I've played them two or three times to get the review done, and then I haven't played them again. Even the ones that I loved, even the ones that I really enjoyed, you just can't yeah. get it back to the table because there's always new product coming in. There's always new product sitting on the shelves that need to be done. So I don't miss that aspect of it, where you kind of always mm-hmm. always feel behind the eight ball, so to speak, because there's so much content that's uh, coming out as far as bar games are concerned. Um, but I do miss being around the fellas. I do miss the camaraderie. I do miss, uh, you know, 
taking a lunch break and just, you know, chilling out with the guys and that type of stuff before you get back to work. I do miss that, but I, I don't miss the grind of it, so to speak. Yeah. Actually, also, if you have to play uh, some game as a work repeatedly, no matter how good it is, yes, it will be work. Yes. It's not hobby or it's not fun anymore, so that might be really annoying and especially if you have to play bad games more than once <laughs> <laughs> yes well yeah that that's the that's the thing if, if you're not really enamored with or even if you just don't like the game the first time around you you're less inclined to play it again and yeah you're even less even more less inclined uh and usually when you play it that second time you already have a bad taste in your mouth for it and so mm -hmm. you you might not give it as fair a shake as you probably would coming at it if you didn't have to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, yeah. it's an interesting dynamic that was, that, that begins to show itself, um, uh, after you've been in it for a while. And, you know, yeah. I, I see, I see some content creators that are just really strong. They're, they're going at it. They're giving it a good guff all the way. And then you can, you can actually see the point sometimes in some of their channels where, okay, now it's starting to feel like work for them because it starts, <laughs> the, the videos are starting to trail off. They're becoming more and more, um, you know, uh, kind of sparse in between. And uh, you can almost tell that's the point at which it, it started to feel like work for them. So they stepped away from it. But yeah. um, uh, it's, that's one of the cool things that I always thought was, was neat about the Dice Tower was that, we managed to still make things fun, even when it was mm -hmm. stuff that we had to do. <clears throat> and it was much easier to do that when we were collaborating on different things. For example, the the dice, you know, the top tens and the uh, the I can't remember the name of it now. The Kickstarter Miami show. Miami dice. Well, yeah, Miami oh. dice was always they were always fun to do. It looked that it was nice to do. Yeah, yeah, very much so. The collaboration works were always fun. You know, the playthroughs. Um, I think I, I probably danced a jig when Tom said that we were going to take one day and just play games uh, together <laughs> because that made it feel a little bit more like, you know, camaraderie. Um, you know, and we didn't always spend the whole day playing games because sometimes you just don't have time to do that. But yeah. he's, he started incorporating days where... Usually it was on Fridays, where um, we would we would play games, and and you know there was a day where we would stream games as well. But it's just us mm -hmm. playtesting games. It's not you know having to put on a show or anything like that. It's just us being us playing games because we had to get yeah. them played anyway. So might as well stream while we do it. You know that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so this testing Tuesdays, I think. You yes. Know, or something yes, like that. testing Tuesdays. That's correct. So it's it's just uh, I liked how uh, Tom and the guys kind of ducked and weaved and and uh, tried to keep things as fresh as possible because they all understood the same things. You know, if 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 we get burnt out, it's just going to be work and it's not going to be fun anymore, and and the quality of our work would would decline at that point. So yeah. um, it's it was cool. Um, I have nothing but fond memories from working at the Dice Tower. Um, they're, they're all great guys. Um, and, and even, you know, the, the people that we would only see at the conventions, um, because <clears throat> there in Florida, it was just us, the guys, but 
we had a lot of contributors. We had uh, Mandy and Suzanne. Um, it was always good to see them at conventions and to get to spend time with them and work with them and, and, and that type of thing. So just every aspect, all the different people, I'm, I'm, I'm missing a whole lot of people. Eric is, is always great to hang out with as well. It's, it's mm-hmm. nothing but fond memories from, for, for the Dice Tower. But I, I, I do sincerely enjoy working with Mythic as well. It's just a different, it's just a different kind of work. That's all. Yeah. How about the weather? Do you miss the weather in Florida? I remember seeing some Instagram posts from you that yes. finally you are free from that heat. Yes. <laughs> or something now, like that. Now, here's the thing. I grew up in Texas, so I'm not yeah. a stranger to heat. Um, there were summers in Texas where we would go for months with uh, nothing less than 100 degrees every day. Um, mm. So I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not a stranger to heat. I grew up in it. But like most people do, when they grow up with snow and cold weather, they get tired of it. You get tired mm. of the heat, too, unless you're just weird. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, it's not just the heat. It's the humidity. Um, it's just it would rain at the drop of a hat um, mm-hmm. be, just because of the, uh, the temperate climate that's there. So, yeah, it was just, I was just really done with, with hot weather and I'm much more, uh, you know, it's cold, you know, I mean, it's cold here in in Washington state right now. We don't have a whole lot of snow on the ground, but got a little dusting last night and, but it's cold and Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't be happier. I've always said it's much easier to dress up to the cold than it is to dress down to the heat. Um, because at some point you can't continue taking <laughs> articles of clothing off. You have to stop. Um, especially in public. Yes, especially in public. Correct. <laughs> when you're at home, you do whatever you want to do. But if you have to go out in public, there's just a certain level of clothing that you must keep on yourself. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. sometimes the heat is not conducive for that. So I've always said that um, it's it's easier to dress up to the cold than it is to dress down to the heat so i'm i'm really enjoying the weather up here it's uh, i like snow I, I i spent four years in germany i spent a, a few years in uh virginia and i spent some years in korea as well and those all had climates where snow was present during the winter and mm-hmm. i just i've always enjoyed it so I'm, I'm glad to be in a in a more temperate climate now yeah, I, I agree with you. If I have to go to heat for more than two weeks, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to go there again for right. a year. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 too much mm-hmm. because you can't do anything. Even if you don't have any clothes, if there is no shadow or no wind or something, it's it's not good. Right. I, I don't like it. Cause e- even too if, much is too much. Yeah, even if you don't have any clothes on, you're still sitting in your own sweat. It's gross. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> What are the best things, if you have to list some best things in your current situation now while you're at Mythic Games, what would be the best things? Um, <clears throat> I think probably the best things, for me specifically, one of the best things is that I have a set number of products that I, that I, that I should know about. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can, I get to teach people how to play those things. Um, I was just talking about, um, I was just, uh, last night, I was just, 
teaching a group of uh, uh, Talking Cardboard. It's a new YouTube channel that's uh, starting up, and, and they're... I was teaching them how to play uh, Hell of the Last Saga over Tabletop Simulator. They were recording it. They're going to post it up later on. But I can't tell you how many times I've played Hell of the Last Saga. Um, but I just enjoy doing it every single time I play it. I love watching people or getting to experience, not necessarily watching because we're you know, uh, on a digital format right now, but getting to experience people learning a game for the first time and loving it, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing for me. Um, to just kind of, you know, at conventions, when we were teaching Gamma, last year was the last convention I was at, and mm-hmm. we taught uh, Super Fantasy Brawl, Steam Watchers, and Enchanters. Those were the three games that we were focusing on at Gamma uh, that we're going to be trying to get to retail mm-hmm. uh, when it becomes viable to do so. <laughs> So teaching those three games and watching people's eyes and face just light up when they when they kind of grasped the entire project and was able to finally realize how much they enjoyed the game and, and what they liked about it, just seeing those moments is, is what's really fun for me. Um, Mythic, for me, just makes uh, amazing games. Uh, there's not a game that I dislike from Mythic. Um, now, th- there's, of course, a hierarchy within within our product line that, you know, I like some games better than others, but there aren't any of our games that I dislike. And that's yeah. that's one of the reasons why I decided to, to, to uh, pursue working at Mythic is because when I look at their product line, I'm like, there's nothing to dislike here. Um, it, so it's really neat to, to work for a company that you can sincerely get behind every single one of their products. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one of the coolest things about it. You know, working uh, at a place like the Dice Tower, there were definite games that I did not like. I did not want to play. I did not want to do this. (laughs) That that was just because it was like drinking from the fire hose sometimes. Um, But with Mythic, the cool thing about it is that there's so... Uh, we, we have a good number of products now. I think we're at around seven, I think. Um, mm-hmm. mm, let me see. Yeah, I think seven, maybe eight um, that we have going. And the things that we have coming up in the future that I can't talk about are, it's just more of the same as far as I'm concerned. The, the IPs that we're getting a hold of and the, the kinds of games that we're trying to produce, it's, it's just, they're all cool. They're all neat. And so that's one of the coolest things I think about my 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 uh, time right now is that I get to be in the middle of all that. Um, another thing that I think is pretty pretty neat about my experience is that I'm I'm getting to see the other side of the industry. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was able to see the industry from a, uh, a critic's point of view, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. where I would just be reviewing product. And now I can see things from the other side of the industry where you're producing that product that is then going to be critiqued. So it gives you a little bit more of uh, an appreciation for what companies do and what they accomplish. I remember Mm -hmm. there's often times where um, I look at some of the things that I really kind of you know, for lack of a better term, bashed as a critic, mm-hmm. 
that I'm looking at now and I'm like, okay, I can see why that happened, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, that really wasn't the company's fault. That was the factory's fault. And I should have been a little bit more understanding of the company at that point. Um, So I'm seeing that a lot lot more. So that's kind of a cool thing as well. I think it's making me a little bit more of a well-rounded individual. Um, Mm -hmm. Instead of being completely criticizing about something, um, I'm much more open to seeing both sides of an argument now than I think I was in the in, in the past. And I think that I, I kind of began that transition while I was at the Dice Tower. Um, mm-hmm. And out, I'm, I'm thinking back the one thing that kind of and, and it was it was really my it was really my fault. I was really a little too cross for the epic the card game from mm-hmm. um, uh, the Star Realms people. Um, is it White Wizard Games? Yes, thank you. I, I just couldn't... I could see their logo, but I couldn't see... I couldn't remember their name. Yeah, White Wizard. Um, and I I really... I really kind of... Uh, I didn't like the game, and, and I still don't like the game. I don't like that mm-hmm. kind of game. But I was really... That review lacked a lot of grace. And that was my <laughs> fault. That was completely on me. And the company's reaction to that review is what began to open my eyes. Maybe I was a little bit too harsh. Um, And there's really no maybe about it. I probably was too harsh, whether I liked the game or not. It was just... And from that point on, I tried to be more... um, Gentle? I I guess gentle is the right word, but I I don't know, because there were some games where I I wasn't gentle about the (laughs) things that I disliked about it. But... At the same time, there was a point in most of my reviews after that where I said something to the effect of, you know, if I didn't like the game, I said, now, I, I don't like this game. I'm not going to be playing it again, but I can see how somebody will like this and how this mm-hmm. part of the game will be enjoyable and how people will like the game because of this. And so I tried to start doing that from that point on because I really saw that I was being a little bit too heavy handed. Um and, you know, don't get me wrong, sometimes heavy-handed gets the views, but sometimes getting the views isn't the best thing to do in the long run. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I think that's another cool thing about working with Mythic. It's really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I used to give, you know, a really hard time to companies about. Mm-hmm. That it's, you know, maybe I shouldn't have. So uh, that's another cool thing. I think it's just working on the other side of the industry is, is just producing a little bit more of a well well rounded individual. Yeah, I have to go and watch that epic uh, review. Oh but, no, please but, don't! But, but in my opinion, as long as you're honest in your opinion, then you are not doing anything wrong. Sure, but I get that. If, if you bash something just for the sake of bashing, like I see some content creators doing, unfortunately, then mm-hmm. it's wrong. Yeah. To get the views. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think I was bashing it just to bash it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah. unfortunately, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it needs to be bashed. It, yeah, it yeah. just means that I should be honest in what I think about it. But that doesn't yes. equate. That shouldn't equate, rather, to uh, bashing it outright. So um, I don't know that they'll hear it, but uh, I, I do apologize to White Wizard for that. <laughs> but um next time i see uh rob doherty i'll probably mention it to him at least yeah 
but but I meant what you said that uh, you get more views. In my opinion, it's wrong to do something for the views. Yes. You should be honest in what you do. I agree. There, there's there. You know, there's little tricks where you you know clickbait is one thing and yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. And I I understand the marketing aspect of of getting people to click on a video, but what you say and how you conduct yourself during the video that should be uh, honest. And yes. and I I also want to make sure I'm clear. We at the Dice Tower did not have that as a uh, method of operation. We we did not uh, go overboard on on our reviews for the sake of getting views. Yes, I, I've never seen never seen anyone from Dice Tower do right. that. We don't. We we never did that. Um, but at the same time, we also didn't hold back if we were pretty passionate about it. So. Yes. It's, uh, you know, we tried to be, you know, there were often times where, um, you know, Tom would come through the, the, the main part of the studio and he'd be talking about how many negative reviews he did this week and he needs to find some mm-hmm. positive reviews to even it out, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, uh, actually, no, you went overboard once he did with the Vasco da Gama. It's not that bad. <laughs> it just takes too long if you haven't played it too many yeah, times. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's the only problem with the game. But yeah, it's a bit that's, also a bit wonky this time mechanism in that, mm-hmm. but it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's just you know, there's, you know, he hated the game for for his reasons, but for those same reasons, some people will like the game. Yeah. And so that's uh, that was just you know my eye opening experience for that kind of thing. That's when it kind of started, but it's it's really kind of coming full circle now. Uh, with the work that I'm doing with Mythic, because I can see, you know, how how much work it takes to produce a game, and it's not just one person, it's not just one part of a company. It's everybody working together, uh, and even working together sometimes is hard because communication and and there's so many different pieces to the to the puzzle that have to come together, um, and that may, that's hard work sometimes too. So it's it's not just the production aspect of it; it's everything that goes together. And so, when you have a better realization of that, it, it makes you appreciate things a lot more. Mm-hmm. I was actually I wrote down here about this teaching. Did you have the same reason to be a teacher? that you mentioned about teaching the game, when you see the eyes lit up and you see that they, something yes. clicks and they like something. I'm asking because that is the reason that why I like teaching that much yeah. personally. Because when you see the student learn something and yes. when you see that Eureka coming in the head, it's mm-hmm. the perfect moment. Yes. No, I have, absolutely. Now, I, I went to... My degree was in um, is a, uh, an arts degree in Bible. And mm-hmm. I, I went to school to become a youth pastor. So mm-hmm. the problem is, is that there, there aren't a whole lot of youth pastor jobs out there. And, and furthermore, they don't, they don't pay a whole lot. So you got to kind of find something else that will uh, scratch that same itch and get the bills paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what teaching kind of did for me. Um, I was fortunate enough to find a teaching position that was in a in a, a Christian school that was also attached to a church that needed a youth pastor as well. So I actually mm-hmm. had two jobs, kind of. You know, I was a teacher during the day, and then I was also a youth pastor at the church uh, down in Homestead. 
Teacher um, in the day and hero in the night. <laughs> right. So um, there's that. But I say all that to say this. Um, I, I never wanted necessarily to be a teacher in a school, mm-hmm. but I was able to become one. Um, I started out teaching as uh, English as a second language to mm-hmm. um, uh, to Korean kids in, in South Korea. Um, that's how I first started being a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. After that, I became a teacher at a uh, Western style um, school, um, you know, grade school, um, international school, in uh, also in South Korea for oh goodness. Um, I taught ESL for for three years, and then I taught at the uh, international school in Korea for for four years. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to the States and spent a year as an assistant pastor in California. Uh, and then I also was a substitute teacher at one of the local schools there in town as well. But then I moved to um, Homestead and I was there for 10 years as mm-hmm. a teacher and a youth pastor. And so for me, it, it was more about interacting with the kids interacting with the with the teenagers and and um you know encouraging them and trying to be a positive role model for them that type of thing mm-hmm. i hated paperwork and you know as a teacher paperwork is mm. like everything <laughs> i mean talk about grade books and getting grades in and, and grading papers and Oh, I hated that aspect of the job <laughs> with a with a passion, but I loved teaching. I loved um, giving lectures and and talking to uh, students during those lectures. I was also a, a speech minor in college, so mm-hmm. I, I I love speaking. I love doing all that kind of stuff, and I loved what you were saying. Have the lights come on, you know, when they're when you're teaching a concept or something like that, and they finally get it. Um, or especially if it's something practical and they start instituting it there in their, in, in their life. And it's, mm. it's something that they can start practicing. Um, that's an even yeah. better thing for me. So it's just really, um, to answer your question. Yes. That's one of the things that I really enjoyed about teaching as well. Um, that kind of carried over. Yeah. That's how, how it sounded like it came so naturally from the teaching the game. So I thought that, yes, yes, that might be important for you. But mm-hmm. um, you said that you work from home. Did you get to work normally, so to say, before this corona hit last year? Um, well, I mean, would you have worked normally from home all the time? Probably yes, because they're in yes. France. Yes, they're in France. So uh, I'm always a remote position. Mm-hmm. Um, going to work for me was traveling to conventions. Uh, so that's when I was, so to speak, in the office. So, mm-hmm. uh, Marco and I, Marco is our, our, uh, customer service, uh, manager. Um, he's also our fulfillment manager. Uh, he lives in Dallas and he and I met for the first time at Gamma last year. And that's, that's the last convention that that's the last time I was in the office. I'll first and last. <laughs> so, um, it's been working from home. Even conventions are at home. There will be times where I spend, you know, during the conventions, I'll spend a good uh, 16 hours just sitting 
in front of my computer teaching mm -hmm. games to people at online conventions this past year. So that's a real bummer. Um, online conventions are great. One of the cool things about them is that uh, we're kind of reaching a demographic that has, hasn't really been tapped into yet because some people just aren't able to go to conventions um, mm -hmm. physically. They're, they're just not able to do it for whatever reason. So yeah. online conventions make it possible for them to experience conventions, which is a great thing. The problem mm -hmm. with online conventions for me personally is that it's, it's the same level or amount of work with none of the fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because part of the fun of going to a convention is, is seeing everybody that are your friends in the, in, in the industry and spending time with them, going out to dinner with them, going, you know, uh, standing around the um, standing around the little Curryverse stand with your with your little um, uh, handheld pocket of Curryverse and French fries and mm. talking with them as you eat your lunch and then you both head back to your booths and and you do that so that that's part of the fun of of being at a convention and, and you just don't get any of that but on the logistical side of things you're not physically having to get things there but you still have to line up people to do demos you you still have to do a lot of work on the front end to communication with the event organizers and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. all the work is still there you just don't have all the all the fun that that comes with yeah. physical conventions so um but yes i am working remotely and that's that's all i've pretty much been doing um ever since coming on back in january of uh, 2020 um, because of covid i mean covid hit while we were at Gamma. Um, matter of fact, a lot of companies pulled out of Gamma uh, mm -hmm. because of COVID, uh, because it was right on the brink of things becoming kind of a little bit more tense uh, in March last year. Yeah. Um, some of us, some of us went and there was, uh, and some of us uh, backed out, but um, yeah, that was it right at the brink. And then everything else was kind of shut down after that so um but yes it has been a remote uh job in its entirety um so far <laughs> but you know it's still it's still fun it's just a little bit different yeah i would have asked you about this online conventions because there hasn't been anyone i've interviewed from your side of things like demoing side of things and yeah. such but you already replied that question i didn't have to ask that yeah. at all well i mean the giving demos part of it is uh, it really depends on it. Sometimes it's, it's very simple. Like for example, Gen Con last year did it where you had a ticketed system and you, you had to purchase a, a ticket for the, for the demos and mm -hmm. that worked well. Um, they weren't expensive. It was like one or $2 or something like that. So they weren't expensive. So people weren't, you know, worried about paying for it, so to speak, but that provided some ownership. And mm -hmm. so, they would come, they would sign up, and you knew that people were going to be at your demo because yeah. they spent money to do it. Um, almost every other convention didn't use a ticketed system. And because of that, it was you didn't know if you were going to be sitting there just twiddling your thumbs or if you were actually going to be able to t teach a game. Um, yeah. It just or if you, the people will even stay the whole game or will they leave in the middle. Right. That, that must be very annoying if it happens. Well, it, it's it's just a demo, so you you kind of go into it 
with look this demo is scheduled for like i was demoing uh hell the last saga for most of the conventions and those are three-hour slots. And so I would tell them at the very beginning, listen, this is scheduled for three hours, but if you need to go do something else or if, you, if you've if you got, you know, kind of the uh, the gist of the game and you don't need anything else, then feel free to leave at any time. But I'm scheduled to be here for three hours. And so uh, you've got me for that long or you can leave whenever you want. And I would, I would pretty much be clear about that at the front end and, and most mm -hmm. of the people wanted to stay around and finish the scenario and and so forth we, we even had a couple demos that went overtime a little bit uh, mm -hmm. when i was able to do that uh, because people wanted to finish the the scenario and and get the full taste of it but there were people that showed up and said okay i just want to basically get an idea of what's going on and and then they were good and they left so that doesn't really bother me that much it's, it's the whole not having a ticketed system where people have some type of ownership in, in the fact that they said they were going to show up for a demo um, and then having to sit there and wait, not knowing if anybody was going to show up, that that's kind of a bummer for us. Um, but it, it's kind of a nature of the beast right now. You, you can't really, um, you're not sitting in a physical convention hall with people walking by. There isn't a physical product on the table that people are going to be mm. drawn to. It's it's literally just another website that they're going to yeah. go to and, and so forth. So it's a little bit it, it's just not the same. It's it's a viable alternative, but um, I certainly hope it doesn't become the norm because I think that would be bad. Yeah, although it might be easier for some companies, especially very small companies yes. to do the demos with tabletop or tabletop simulator but still mm -hmm. it's not the same thing there are no re real people there are just names on the screen right that's correct yeah i haven't actually played any mythic games games you all of them are miniature games and i've tried to stay away from them since warhammer because warhammer took too much of my time <laughs> <laughs> years, well years there is a difference warhammer is more of a lifestyle game than uh, yes than it is casual so there's a difference. Um, I don't. I don't think that any of our games are lifestyle games, but they could be if you wanted them to be. Mm -hmm. um, but we we very much do board games that are that can be one and dones. But um, but they're huge. Yes, they're huge. Right, and that's that's what I was about to say. We also yeah. have a lot of stuff in them, so you could spend a lot of time playing. Uh, any one of our games, uh, yeah. be it Joan of Arc, Solomon Cain, um, uh, you know, Hell of the Last August coming up, and and uh, that's actually the most interesting to me because really? it's about this Viking mythology. Yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's about Hell the God. Right? Well, um, I mm -hmm. Sh sure, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, or is it a hero? I don't remember, but it's no, 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 no. no. Hell, hell is the is the goddess of of the underworld. Yes. Um, yeah. So, it is one of those things that um, um, I'm I'm curious. I don't know exactly if the goddess hell plays into it. Um, I'm I'm assuming that she does at some point, but I've not I've not read the entire storyline. So, um, they're they're keeping. Uh, all of that pretty much close to their chest within the design team and, and the dev development team. Mm. And um, just because they don't want to spoil it for, they, they don't want to spoil it for as, you know, as, as few people as possible. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, we'll see. Yeah. It's something I'm looking forward to. I'll, I'm I'm curious to see how everything plays out. But there are definitely, um, I've seen artwork, and I think we've put it out there on the internet where, um, you know, there's definitely you know, like underground uh, scenarios and where you're going through caverns and and that type of thing. So uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's in the title it has to be yeah <laughs> but you said that you're getting some ip so i'm looking forward to seeing what ips they are when they are public knowledge yeah Let's there's see. some maybe at some point i will get to play my yeah. first mythic games game they're pretty nice they're pretty nice um yeah if you want to have, have you not had a chance to try out hell the last saga the scenarios we have online no i haven't tried I can just let me know. I, I I can run you through them pretty simply. It's 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 second nature. I know them like the back of my hand right now. So, um, uh, if you if you ever want to, just just reach out. All right, I might and I might ask friends to join if you want yes. more people to play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have them in tabletop simulator or tabletop here? It's a tabletop simulator. Okay, that's the better system in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like I like both of them for different reasons. I think that uh, Tabletopia is a little bit of a cleaner interface, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think you might be able to do more with the interface in Tabletop Simulator. Mm, yeah. How has this year been regarding Corona or COVID there? You said that everything shut down. Has it been shut down? Have you been on a lockdown all the time? I haven't no. had any guests from that part of USA, well, so I well, have no idea how it is there. We're we're actually I'm 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 about four hours away from one of the uh, epicenters mm-hmm. of of COVID. Um, uh, King County was was one of the first places in America to, uh, well, in the United States to to really kind of show a lot of cases. And so here in Washington State, they've been a little bit more. Um, stringent at times mm-hmm. um we along with california in colorado uh and a couple of other um states were one of the first ones to uh quote unquote shut down or mm-hmm. lock down uh their citizens uh tell them to stay inside and, and not not go here and not go there unless you absolutely had to and shutting businesses down and stuff like that so at times, yes, it has been that. Um, currently, we are at what our governor is calling phase two, which means mm-hmm. that, um, and this is actually, I think, the second or third time that we've been at phase two. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of fluctuated going uh, back and forth with uh, the numbers as they rose and fell. Mm-hmm. But basically, we can, we, we have... We have less restrictions going on right now than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more businesses are open right now than have been. You do have to wear a mask whenever you go into a business for whatever reason. Um, if you go to a restaurant, most of the restaurants have outdoor seating available right now, but um, some of them are now able, with phase two, they're able to have uh, 25% capacity indoors. So um, there's that going on right now. Gyms uh, are opened up again uh, so that also at, uh, I think, 25% capacity. Um, 
but you have to have a mask on while you're working out and all that kind of stuff. And there's, you know, spray bottles and, uh, and stuff like that around. You have to clean off your machine, uh, whenever you're done with it or whatever thing you were using. So, um, schools are back open. Um, my kids are going back to school half days now in the, in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some schools in other counties that are fully back open. Uh, it just depends on the numbers. Um, also, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it, it's, um, we're getting back slowly to what would be considered normal. It feels more normal now than it has been in, in quite some time, but, yeah. um, I don't think we're anywhere I don't think we're anywhere near being able to go back to conventions um, or, you know, attend, you know, sporting events or, you know, that type of stuff. I've, I've had, and you know, it's first world problems. It's not that big of a deal, but I've had tickets to a hockey game over in uh, Spokane for a year now (laughs) that I haven't been (laughs) able to go to because I bought the tickets and they shut the season down right before, you know, like two days before I was going to go to the game. And they haven't been back with, uh, you know, allowing crowds to come in since. So, um, I, some other friends of mine have season tickets to, you know, Seattle Sounders and they haven't been able to, they, they're, they haven't lost their tickets. They're, they're still being transferred to the next season and the next season, the Mm -hmm. next season. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're still just at that place where some stuff is open and stuff, stuff, some stuff just isn't. And we have yeah. no idea when it will be. So uh, the whole thing with COVID is for, for me personally, I understand and I'm, I'm compliant on wearing masks wherever uh, I'm required to. I, I, I don't, because I work at home, I don't go and interact with uh, a large group of people or even a large cross section of people um, for any amount of time. Uh, most of the time, the only time I really am in the same group was when I go to church and uh, our, our church has been, um, compliant with uh, sanitizing surfaces and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so there, there's no danger there for us really either. Um, but, uh, it, it really is having an effect on, on people, I think more in a psychological sense than anything else. You know, people are, people are just afraid, you know, and, and fear is, is a really crippling emotion. And that's, that's, true. that's one of the unfortunate things about COVID. And I think it's one of the more long lasting effects that COVID is going to have. You know, mm-hmm. eventually we're going to get to the point where m- more than likely um, we'll be, we'll, we'll have the virus beat um, from a medical point of view, but mm-hmm. the psychological effects that I think, um, locking down and um, being just basically afraid is going to be probably one of the more long-reaching effects that COVID has had, Yeah, which is unfortunate. Or being among people. Yeah, right. You keep your distance automatically. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's one of the things. It's, you know, we'll go on a walk. We're outside, you know, and you'll still see people on the trail uh, more than six feet away. And there, yeah. you can see them actively keep their head avoiding. down and, and avoiding <laughs> you, and they won't even say hi. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, that it's that kind of stuff. It's we're we're losing part of our humanity, in my opinion. And yeah. I, I get the reasons why I'm not questioning the science or anything like that. Um, I'm just saying that uh, there is a definite effect that's kind of the undertone here um, that we're going to have to keep dealing with long after I think we've got the medical side of the of the virus beaten. That's true. What's the closest NHL team, by the way, to you? N- NHL? Um, Seattle yeah. just got... Uh, just is a new expansion team in the NHL, the uh, Seattle Kraken. Did they begin? Did they begin this year already? This uh, I don't know if they play. I think it's next year. Next yeah, season is when I they begin. Thought. I think it's when it is. But uh, so the uh, team, had, so it's you perfectly. They yeah, it does. Uh, we actually have here in Wenatchee. We have a we have a farm team called the Wenatchee Wild, and mm-hmm. uh, I went to. I was able to go to see a couple of their uh, postseason games before. Uh, they locked down their season last year. And it's really good. It's cheap seats. No. It's good hockey. So uh, it's something we'll be doing in the future when they get back. But, yeah, they've got the Seattle Kraken coming in uh, next season. So no. I'm looking forward to trying to get over there and maybe see one game at least. Um, I'm just, you know, if the Blackhawks come play them or something like that, that's my favorite team, the Blackhawks. <laughs> but no. uh, I'll, root for the, I'll root for the Kraken. I'm not, I'm not, I, I just like hockey. Uh, but if they're playing the Blackhawks, I'm not going to root for them. So, <laughs> yeah. But I hope you get to see a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The with the with the mascot being the Kraken, I've seen some people. They they did a kind of like a contest. Uh, name our mascot, and mm-hmm. some of the one of the one of the ideas I thought it was a, a great idea was to make it a female mascot, a female Kraken. And give her the name Elise, so that she would be called Elise <laughs> no, the Kraken. <laughs> so that, I thought that would be cool, but I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what how it, how it ended up. That that's good. That's a good <laughs> one. Yeah. Previous year and during this year that has gone by, the world has been changing a lot, and it's been changing for people, and it has been changing globally and for countries and everything just has been colored by change. What do you think of change? Uh, well, if you ask um, Wayne and Garth, we fear change. But uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I like change. I, I think change is healthy. Um, it depends on what you're talking about. But generally speaking, I think change is a good thing. It keeps things fresh. It keeps things... Um, flowing, so to speak, and it doesn't allow um, it doesn't allow things to grow stagnant or mm-hmm. complacent. I think complacency is a bad thing, um, where you just get so comfortable where you are. There's no reason to move anymore. I think that's unhealthy. So mm-hmm. change kind of counteracts that. Uh, so now I I don't think that a lot of the change that's happened in the last couple you know the last year has been good change because I think there's good change and there's bad change. Um, uh, I think a lot of the changes that have, that have happened um, have been generally speaking bad, but with, with that being said, there can usually be found a thread of good in most change. Mm-hmm. Again, it just, it's heavily dependent on the, the context of whatever it is you're talking about. 
with the context of the change, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, um, like, for example, I think having, you know, the industry having to change to go to online conventions has been, generally speaking, bad because mm -hmm. it's, it's made it a lot less impersonal. But even mm -hmm. in that, there's been a thread of good in that it's allowed other people that aren't usually able to go to conventions the ability to kind of experience, quote unquote, a convention, quote unquote, <laughs> um, mm. digitally speaking. <laughs> So that's kind of what I mean. Um, even with bad change, again, heavily dependent on the context of the change, you can have some good in it. Um, but personally speaking, I, uh, I would much rather get back to um, physical conventions than continue with online conventions. And I'm, I'm of the opinion that I don't, I don't really even care what restrictions you give us. Um, you know, do we have to have that plexiglass up in front of, you know, uh, our, our main booth? And, and do we have to make sure our tables are six feet wide? You know, mm -hmm. um, okay, let's do that. But let's get back to meeting in person again. Do we have to have sanitizers at every, you know, sanitizer bottles at every, every table and, and require people to douse themselves in it every five minutes okay let's do that but let's get back to meeting in 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 uh you know face to face Let, let's get mm -hmm. back to that do we have to wear masks the whole time okay let's do that um uh we are people of uh we are made to interact with people we, we aren't solitary individuals. Now, some people prefer seclusion, um, mm -hmm. and that's part of their personality, and there's something wrong with that. But generally speaking, I think the human race is a very interactive group of people. And when you take that away from them, it changes the dynamic of who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. I think that's one of the changes yeah. that we've had this year that is, um, in my opinion, I'll keep saying that until the cows come home, um, but in my opinion, it's just really, really bad because we are at our core interpersonal people. We want interaction. We want to be around other people and taking that away from people is, is, is going to be, um, a bad thing in the long run, I think. Yeah. And it will also change people. Yes. Yeah, it does. They I mean, don't I don't know how to be social with other people. True. Yeah. At some, at some point there is going to be that, that point that's passed where you have to kind of relearn how to act in, in, uh, uh, in a group with other people and yeah, or any space. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I don't know. That's one of the things that has, the, it's been a bad change. Now the positive side Again, I think it's it's been a, a bad thing, so to speak. But the positive side of that is that you know we've we've all been able to spend more time with our families. Um, we've all been able to spend more time with uh, the people that are closer that we're closer to, um, mm -hmm. and th that's a positive thing. You know, um, yes. we had become very disjointed, um, societally speaking, um, in the family unit, and and that's one of the things that that. Uh, Lockdowns and restrictions have kind of encouraged is uh, families to get back together um, and spend more time together. 
So that's a positive thing. But, uh, uh, and I'm thankful for it. But at the same time, uh, we'll see. We'll see um, how bad the effects are far-reaching. Mm-hmm. Do you think you yourself have changed during the last year, 365 days or so? I should I should hope so. <laughs> if I <laughs> if I haven't, I'm doing something wrong. Um, because you know we should always be kind of um, self-diagnosing where we are and making changes where necessary. Um, if we ever get to that place, you know, I spoke about complacency being a bad thing. If we ever get to that place where we're just like, yeah, okay, I'm good the way I am and I don't need to change, that's dangerous um, because the world continues to change whether you do or not. And so you can get left behind real easy um, if, you, if you don't keep up, you know, if you don't keep up with, uh, not, that, not that you must change, but you need to be willing to change mm-hmm. um, because uh, now that doesn't mean that you go with the flow sometimes change means going and swimming against the flow um Mm -hmm. you know sometimes the the group is going in the wrong direction and you decide to change and go against that wrong direction so i'm not saying that that you should always just go with the flow of of uh whatever societal changes is the hot topic at that point but Mm -hmm. i am saying that we should always be self-diagnosing, you know, having that internal dialogue with yourself saying, okay, what, what am I doing and what can I be doing better? Um, mm-hmm. What should I stop doing? Um, those kinds of questions are the kinds of questions you should always be having with yourself. So I, sh- I hope I've changed <laughs> because <laughs> if I haven't, um, I'm not doing something correct and, and I, I need to correct it. Um, I, I think, you know, we kind of spoke about this a little bit uh, that transition of, of just becoming a little bit more of a well-rounded individual rather than just being very opinionated. There's nothing wrong with being opinionated, but you also need to understand at the same time that your opinion is exactly that and nothing more. It's just your opinion. And, That's very well said. Um, everybody has their own opinion. Um, yes, and everyone are entitled to that. Yes, in exactly. In my opinion. Absolutely but, so. As long as it is their opinion. <laughs> right. And and that's part of this idea of, of mutual respect um, that I think should be inherent uh, in society, in the civilized society at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I think that's one of the things that has that uh, one of the things that, that might be going downward. I think people are, are have forgotten or are forgetting how to talk to each other. Um, yes. Because we get so defensive and we get so um, divided over topics that we can't sit down at, at a table with somebody that disagrees with what we say or what we think. And, and we can't have a conversation with them because we know that they disagree with us. Yeah, especially if that conversation is online, like everything is nowadays. Correct. That's what I meant partly earlier when you said that. Uh, we need to begin seeing the other people. I mean, yeah. seeing other people. Right. That's a part, partly what I meant. That because everything is via something and behind a name, yes. even if it's your own name. Yes. But it's still not There's... the same as sitting face to face with someone. Exactly. Um, I've seen a lot of memes 
um, uh, about stuff like, you know, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I, there were some times where I knew to keep my mouth shut because I knew if I opened it, I would get punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And, and there's that, I mean, not that that's the right thing to do. I'm not saying that violence is the answer, but what I'm saying is that's just how it would have happened. If I would have mm-hmm. said certain things as a, you know, as a kid growing up on the, on the school ground or whatever, if I would have said the wrong thing, I got punched in the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in lockdown, being in restriction and being, having all of our interactions online, that's, that's gone away. And there's this bravado almost in people mm-hmm. that I have, I have no reason to be tactful. There's no reason for me to be considerate. There's no reason for me to choose my words carefully because I'm never going to meet this person at all. I'm never going to stand face to face with this person. So I can treat them however I want to treat them. And it doesn't Mm. matter. Mm, And that's, that's bad. That's bad. Yes. Um, Because um, there, there's a lack of decency there. There's a lack of uh, what do you call it? Um, just just common decency that should be. I mean, we're all humans, right? We're yes. <laughs> all of our blood is red. <laughs> all all yeah. of us have the same tissues inside. Um, all of us have, you know, the same basic pattern of life. We're we're all the same. It's yeah. just that our differences, cultural. Um, uh, racial, whatever it might be, those are the only things that make us different. But at our core, we're the same. Yeah. Um, and human-human interaction has to turned into human-computer interaction. Yes. And it's very interesting, actually. Yeah. I, I just, I, I hope, I hope, I hope that we can get back to meeting together. Man, I, I grew up... I grew up in the Air Force. My dad was an Air Force uh, captain. And um, we moved around a lot. Um, I spent... uh, Each of the four years of my high school years were spent at a different school. Um, Mm -hmm. I I grew up around uh, having to move every three to four years because my dad would get stationed at a new new base. So Mm -hmm. I grew up having to learn how to adapt. To new situations. I, I learned that very early on that the color of our skin in a personal situation, I should not look at somebody differently because of the color of their skin. Um, mm. I should treat them as a human being, no matter what color they are, no matter what they're mm. wearing, no matter what their hair looks like, any of that kind of stuff. I treat you the way I want to be treated um, with yeah. respect. And uh, those divisions have just gone haywire um, over the last few years. And that's incredibly unfortunate. Um, But I I really love diversity because, man, if everybody was the same, that's boring. (laughs) That's really boring. Everybody's the same. That's boring. I I, I love diversity. It's one of the things that I I really kind of latched on to being a military brat. Um, and then being able to live in foreign countries, um, like Korea and Germany, um, and being able to visit other countries, uh, it, I dig all of that. And so, I don't know, we've just lost something and I hope we can get it back as a, 
as a uh, the human race, as the human race, we've lost something, and I hope we can get it back. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, mainly what I'm seeing also it comes mainly from the U.S. and how it is in online environments. Mm-hmm. The things are not the same everywhere. Yeah. It's most. It's. I'm thinking how it looks to be in USA. It can be very different in, let's say, China or India, and very likely is very different currently. Right. But but from our knowledge, it it is like that. Yeah. And yeah, I think everyone should remember that how you want to be treated, you should treat the others that way. That exactly. is very important for exactly. the whole life. Exactly. Just if 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 you wouldn't like it being said about you, don't say it. If, yes, if, exactly. If you don't want to be treated that way, then you don't treat people that way. It's so simple in concept. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's really easy, but yeah. it seems to be difficult to follow. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, what do you expect from the future? You know, I, I try to be optimistic. I try to be hopeful. Um, so I'm I'm really hoping that uh, by the end of the year we have gotten back to some semblance of, of uh, you know, speaking in the industry, getting back to some semblance of, of getting back to conventions, whether it's full of restrictions and full of guidelines, fine. I really hope that we can get back to uh, conventions this year. Um, as far as uh, Mythic is concerned, uh, <laughs> we have some really, really cool projects that are coming down the pike with Kickstarter campaigns later on in the year. Um, uh, we have already mentioned that we're running another uh, Super Fantasy Brawl Kickstarter in March. And that's going to be for kind of, a, we're, we're calling it round two. We're still in season one, but the stuff that we're offering for this convention is going to be stuff, uh, I'm sorry, for this Kickstarter, is going to be stuff that we were planning on taking to retail. We just haven't mm-hmm. been able to do that because of all of the restrictions that COVID has, has placed on on uh, yeah. the brick and mortar stores. And um, they, uh, you know, talking with the distributors, the distributors basically ordered an incredibly low amount of um, copies because a lot of those, uh, a lot of their stores are, are reporting having to close and Mm. and lower sales and all of this other kind of stuff. So instead of going through distributors, we're going to be offering multiple retail pledges for Super Fantasy Brawl through our Kickstarter mm-hmm. uh, that, that's coming up in March so that retailers can still get uh, Super Fantasy Brawl on their shelves. We're also going to be offering nine new champions uh, that were going to be part of the twelve that we were going to be releasing throughout the course of the year, uh, one a month, uh, if we went with our original retail plan. And, and so there's, we're, we're trying to do this so that interest stays high in the game and we get it into those shops that uh, are still open so that um, it can kind of grow. This is definitely not plan A. Uh, it was uh, definitely a plan B that we came up with, and we're still planning on going to retail in a more traditional sense when it's viable to do so after restrictions have kind of eased up a little bit more and we can get organized play stuff going uh, for a super fantasy brawl as well. So that's the one that's coming up in March. Um, and unfortunately that's the only one I can talk about right now, but we have some, 
We have some really cool IPs coming down the pipe later on this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool IPs, cool IPs. Not yeah. saying anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it already earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what type of IPs they are? No, you don't have to say. No, I can't say. So. Yeah, but we we'll see when we'll see. Yes. Uh, do you want to add anything or should we move on to our top nine lists? Yeah, we can move on if you want. Yeah, that's good. Just to let you know that I now have Patreon. Yeah, I might have said that I will not create one, but I decided to make one anyway. Not for the money, but for the community mostly, because it's really difficult to reach you listeners somehow. So if you want to go and take a look what you will get if you show me some patronage. The address is patreon.com forward slash mitapelataan. Thank you in advance for even considering to look at the Patreon page. It's much appreciated. But without further ado, on with the show and let's see what kind of top 9 lists we've created this time. So this time we have a top 9 list of what kind of games. <laughs> People can guess in <laughs> three, 3 seconds because I'm sure that 90% of my listeners will know what the list topic is when you are in question. <laughs> 1, 2, three. 3. Viking games, yes. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah, what a surprise. Hey, well you know... Have you, ma- have you, have you made this list earlier ever? I, I think I I think I maybe did a top five on my own when uh, I was with the Dice yeah, Tower I think so at, too. at one point. Yeah. I think I did a top five Viking games, uh, but that was quite some time ago, and that was before yeah. some more Viking game, Viking games came out. So uh, I did not go back and check that list. Uh, this was just something that I made um, based on how I feel right now. So I did I did not go back and check that, but I'm pretty sure I did do a top five one. Yeah. So how did you make your list? Did you rank them in order of what you like the most or what is the most Viking-y game or how did you do it? Mm, no, I, I, I pretty much just went with uh, the way I usually do my top nine, my top tens or top nines is that, is that I, I go from one, one being the, the one that I like the most and then uh, nine or ten being the one I like the least out of that group of ten. But usually when you're talking about you know five, nine or ten games... These are all games that uh, I have. Let me make sure. Well, there's one game that I don't have in my collection yet. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Well, I'll explain that. You'll you'll understand why when I want to get to that. But there's only yeah. one that I don't have in my collection. Yeah. Uh, I have to make it clear, especially when you're in question, because you have this kind of a habit to do five games of something and five games of something. No, but now no, it no, doesn't no. go even. Now it's nine, so you can't make four <laughs> and five. So maybe, That's true. <laughs> maybe you stay in line. Yeah, no, I, th- these are definite Viking games. No doubt about it. Okay, but not the first four ones are not in a mixed order or something. They're nope. all in. No, nope. they're all in. Right. They're all in. The first number one is the one I like the best, and number nine is the one I like the least. Yeah, I actually did the same, and I don't own four of these games anymore. Uh-huh. I've owned all of them at some point, but not anymore. Yeah. And I had a bit of a <laughs> problem because it seems that. I mean, I have rated over 1,000 games in Board Game Geek, but I only had rated nine <laughs> Viking games. So 
I'm sorry, but this time I have to reuse two games that I had in earlier lists. I'm trying not to use any games, and until now I haven't had to use same game two times, but now I have to. Yeah. Otherwise it would have been difficult. I actually spent maybe over one hour today trying to figure out that if there, if there's some kind of a similar age games that I have, but because Vikings were around in the dark ages and people were not able to write and document things that are not that much documented from the middle ages during that time right because it was after and during the fall of rome and such so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i couldn't change my topic i have viking games <laughs> okay although you said that i can have a broader scale but vikings yeah. were not pirates so i couldn't add pirates <laughs> and fix them. well they were kind of like but, the og pirates though right yeah and they were like settlers in a way also later <laughs> especially yes, yes. And we wouldn't want to talk bad about the Scandinavians. The Swedes are really great. <laughs> quotation marks. They are lovely people, quotation marks. Yeah. But, but, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a um, custom here that um, whoever is the guest can announce the number. Like you get to try to be Eric Summerer. Oh, right. I can so do that, can I think. Do this number nine or however Okay, you want to do all right, here we go. We you go ready? One, one by one uh, from nine to one and you begin. Okay, here we go. All right. Number nine. That was good. Yeah, well was done. Not bad, okay. All right, my number nine is a game from Mind Fitness Games called Vikingdoms. Uh, this is a little abstract strategy game, but it is really neat. It has some... Uh, it comes in a little small box. It's very compact, very mobile, and it's very much an abstract strategy game. But it has a really it has a lot of really neat mechanisms of um, trying to get your um, pieces moved around in a certain way. If you if you look at the actual board, it, it, it's a very uh, I guess you could say it, it's kind of a nondescript as far as the pieces are concerned but the the artwork that goes around the board and all of that kind of stuff it's it's pretty it's pretty enveloping it's pretty uh it looks good on the table and uh what you're trying to do with with vikingdoms is uh you're 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 trying to loot coins and build settlements uh by raiding different items uh on the board and each raid you have to have a, a larger troop uh, than uh, you recruit so that you can loot together. So the first one to take the loot will be the one whose uh, Vikings leads the Raiders. Uh, so it's, 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 a, it's a strategy game, uh, and it's, it's just really neat. And it's one of those kind of games that you can just pop out on the table really fast. And it doesn't take very long to play. The Borging Geese says it takes 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I think 20 minutes is probably the longest you'll ever play the game. Um, I don't think I've played it longer than that ever. So it's just a really neat game. It has some good artwork to it. So it's um, with me, abstract strategy games have to look good for me to enjoy them. Um, having just the strategy alone is not good enough for me. I want something that's aesthetically pleasing as well. And this is one of those abstract strategy games that's... uh, kind of uh does that for me so uh that's why i had it on it's uh, number nine vikingdoms 
I've never heard or seen. Well, when I saw the na- name, when I was searching for these Viking games, but yeah. <laughs> otherwise, I I thought that that's a interesting name. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a nice very pun. neat game. Mind Fitness Games has a lot of really cool, compact, uh, thinky kind of games that play really fast, and I like that. So uh, uh, I found Mind Fitness Games, and this is one of theirs, and and I did the review for it when I was back at the Dice Tower. So it's really cool. Yeah, my number nine is also a two-player game, and it's ten years, eleven years older than the previous one. It's from two thousand five, and this is one of the first games I bought, and this I sold very quickly when I saw what is the <laughs> sale price for a used copy, because I tripled whatever I invested, and this is Fjords by Franz Ben Nodelong. This is like a two-player Carcassonne, but I played it last time, 2014, so I don't remember that well. Yeah. But you, bu- you build a map, two-player, and then you place your village is there it's black discs and white discs if i remember correctly it was good but it was not that good as much as people were willing to pay for it i got maybe 60 euros or something from it uh-huh. and that's just crazy so of course i'm not keeping it what was the name of it again <laughs> it's not that fjords 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 okay yes from france beno de long yes okay yeah, yeah, yeah all right all right yeah it's not really thematic, but it's a Viking game. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, it's a Viking standing on the on the cover, so it's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I I didn't evaluate like that. If there's a, some guy with these hornet helmets, it's not automatically a Viking. <laughs> I actually checked that it's in the team Viking family in the board game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, so here we go. Number eight. All right, so my number eight is uh, from Yellow, uh, I-E-L-L-O, Yellow, from uh, designer is uh, Matthew Dunstan and Brett J. Gilbert, and this one is called Raids. And Raids is a game that um, basically you're trying to score majority bonuses depending on the tiles that that were revealed that make up the board. Uh, it has a cool mechanism where it's, I call it the Rondell mechanism. I don't know what it's actually called, but it's where you can go as far around the circle as you want to, but wherever you stop, you can't go backwards. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, and so you have to choose what islands, so to speak, or what tiles you're going to stop at as you go around the thing. And basically a game is, is done in four rounds, which is basically four trips around the board. Um, and whoever has the, uh, who's, who, whoever has been able to score the most bonuses, the most points, um, uh, before the, uh, after four rounds is the one who wins. But if, uh, if you look up the, uh, the board, it's super, uh, super good graphics. Everybody has their own long ship. Uh, the meeples are, are all really cool. You all have your own little Viking meeples in your own color. Uh, the artwork on the tiles is really good. There's just a lot of really, it, it has a very nice appeal uh, uh, while it's on the table. And um, that's one of the first things that, that uh, made it pop. I would think I was at Gen Con one year. Um, this goes back to, uh, I want to say 2017. Okay, well, it was probably 2017 when I saw it, but uh, this wasn't released until 2018, according to the Geek. So, um, but it 
it plays fast. It's about a 30 to 40 minute game. Um, the, the components are all nice. The artwork is great. Uh, and it just has a really neat Viking theme wrapped around it. Uh, so it's really cool. If you look at some of the pictures on the geek, the, the Viking mini, the Viking meeples are really cool. They have these big battle axe on them. And there's also, um, uh, metal coins as well. So there's just a lot of cool stuff about this game. It's just a very high component value and a uh, very fun game to play. So that's my number eight raids. This looks like a very, um, smoothly and quickly playing game that is not very deep but it might be very nice to play actually that is correct it is not very difficult to play at all but it is very fun to play yeah my number eight is a kickstarted um deck building game i think <laughs> it's been so long i played this 2017 but i didn't play it more than once and i Sold the copy onwards. I packed it in Kickstarter. This is probably, maybe, <laughs> based on an app game. This is Vikings Gone Wild. Oh, and yeah. It's one of the first games by Lucky Duck Games, if I remember right. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's their first. And after that, they made this uh, Chronicles of Crime and yes. whatever they came up with afterwards. Yes. This was probably their first. Um, it was actually a good game, and it was it had a nice twist to deck building but I was able to trade it to some other game I don't remember what game or I was able to sell it with the price that I mm-hmm. bought because I'm trying to keep myself so that the games fit there it's a bit bad situation now because of this review review copies and not being able to play them yeah <laughs> but <clears throat> there are some space for the piles on the floor but I don't keep games that I don't think that I will ever play again and this was one of those yeah. it was a good game but Understood. not good enough to stay in the collection yep alright next one number seven alright my number seven is a game by uh, Lukas Wozniak um, put out uh, by Go On Board I believe is the the main company that produced this one uh, but Lukas Wozniak produced a game called Valhalla um, so basically this is a, uh, it's a card game, but it also has dice placement mechanisms in it as well. There are also custom dice in the game too, which is a cool thing for me. I love custom dice. Uh, another grabber for me was the artwork for this game was Ooh, This looks really good. Wow. It's very this good. This looks really good. It is. Um, I, I guarantee you the, their marketing campaign also was incredibly cool. When he sent me my review copy for this game, it came in a box that you opened it up and it had a bunch of hay in the box. (laughs) And then on top of the hay, there was this parchment on which was handwritten a letter uh, with a seal on it, you know, a a wax seal on it and everything. Uh And it was um, just a really cool presentation of the game. And this is just like a, a review copy. This just wasn't even final production type stuff. But um, this is a, a game that, that we've played a lot. Um, it has a definite uh, that um, not really, it's not really deck building. It's basically you have uh, a team of people that you can draft, I want to say. But that's not really exactly correct either. But you can put your 
people, you draft your team based on the cards that you have in your hand. And mm -hmm. then you're, you're able to place dice on them after you've rolled them uh, so that they can do certain things throughout the course of the game. It's a really neat mechanism. Um, and you're trying to defeat different um, uh, monsters and go on different journeys and defeat other people's armies in order to gain points and so forth and so on. So uh, there's just a lot of cool randomness to the game with the custom dice and a lot of excitement, uh, great artwork, uh, super fun. There's a lot of different modes that you can play. Um, there's kind of a, a scenario uh, kind of mode that you can play as well. It's just a really fun game, and I enjoyed it a lot. So uh, that's my number seven, Valhalla. This looks really good. I will try to check it out. Yes. Maybe someone has it or yeah. can get it from somewhere. But yeah. it looks really good. The artwork no. is very good. Yes, I like it a lot. My number seven, same <laughs> story as earlier. <laughs> but this one was very rare at some point, and I was able to sell this with a profit. I mean, now, if someone listens to first time to this podcast, they think that I'm just buying something cheap and selling for profit. That's not the thing. Though. The thing is that when I have a game, if, I mean, I value it somehow. If a game is more expensive in the market than the, its value is to me, I will sell it. I'm not keeping some game that would give me 80 euros if I will play it maybe once a year. Yeah. And, and Thunder and Lightning is that kind of a game. This might be on your list actually later. But it, this is re-themed from um, Hera and Zeus, I yes. think. Yes. By Richard Bork. And this was a good game, but um, the problem is it's a two-player game and I don't think my wife would have liked it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't keep it for that reason. That's the main reason. I played it with a friend of mine and I thought that this is that, not that kind of a game that the right. wife would like. No. And this. It's, it's not in my collection anymore. It's not on my list, but it is a good game. I, I, I do yeah. enjoy it a lot, um, but it, it, yeah. it is not on my list. Yeah, it's this hidden card strategy game that yeah. you play cards to the table or, and you keep some of them in your hand and you try to find that one card from your opponent and if you find that, you win the game. Yes. yes. And then some added rules and skills on the cards. Right. It's a beautifully produced game as well. Z-Man did yes. a really good job with it, uh, but it, it just didn't make my cut. That's all. No. Number six. I'm, I, I think I'm probably going to get a call from Eric if, if he hears this. You're doing this better than Eric did when he was I in. don't know about that. We'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. My number six is a game called Raiders of the North Sea. And this is one that has uh, I was introduced to it by Tom and the first thing like normal that really popped out to me is uh, the artwork the artwork mm -hmm. from uh, um, oh I can't remember his name now but it Miku uh, or something what's the name yeah he he's he's do he's the same one that's done the artwork for uh, the uh, Raiders series the yes. the uh, Shipwrights of the North Sea, the uh, Explorers of the North Sea, and all that kind of stuff. And then it even goes into the... Um, uh, West the, series as well. Yeah, Dmitrievsky. Um, yeah. Mihalo, I, I think, Mihalo? Dmitrievsky. Uh, Shem Phillips is the designer. And 
the artwork just really kind of grabbed me because it was different. Um, it wasn't the same kind of Viking artwork that you've seen. Um, and that's what really kind of uh, grabbed me at first. Then on top of that, it was just a really fun game on top of uh, everything else that um, came out. I loved the look of the board. Um, I loved how you had to kind of... Uh, um, uh, kind, kind, kind of weigh your reputation uh, around with uh, throughout the points of the end. And the higher your reputation got, the more points you got. I liked that. Um, it was just a lot of really cool things in it and uh, just just a whole lot of fun. So I, I, I really enjoyed this game. Loved the artwork. I think Shem Phillips does a great job at designing his games. Um, and I'm glad to see that this line uh, and uh, this company has done so well um, with with their different uh, games they put out. Garfield Games is just uh, yeah. one of the ones, one of the companies that I really look at now. And it all started with Raiders of the North Sea. So that's my number uh, seven. Yeah, this artist's name was Miko. Almost remembered. It says in the uh, some when he signs, it says Miko. Miko, okay, uh, yeah. yeah. M- on M-I-C, on yeah. on the geek, it says Mihalo uh, M I H A J L O. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but yeah. But if you open that name, it it says that Tomiko. Tomiko, yeah. That's what. I, yeah, it's his like artist name. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually I really want to play this. Especially after Mike Delisio is <laughs> saying that this is a great game. Yeah. But if I understood right, this needs one of the expansions to somehow make it a better one. And I think Raiders of Scythia has some kind of elements from the expansions added in it. So I don't know if I should go for this or if I should go for this Raiders of Scythia. But I really want to try this. Yeah. One guy has this here in Joensu, <laughs> where I live. And... I said to him that we play it, and that was one year ago. Yeah. And then what happened? Yeah. We don't have a board game club for a year, so I right. play it. Yeah. So I've been waiting one year to play this. Yep, yep. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. My number six is the last game on my list that I don't have anymore, and this is remake from the Spiegelstad, and this is by Stefan Peld, and it's Jorvik. This is the meanest backstabbing and face-stabbing game that there is. It has an auction. And um, I played it once with friends, and then I played it once, and the wife was also playing. And I said, what do you think of the game? She said, that stupid game, I'm not playing it ever again. And then it left the collection, because why would I have a game that needs three players if <laughs> there's no one playing? It's really not a two-player game, although it says two-player. This is a bidding game where you bid to certain locations and then there's a queue and you can put your meeple there on the queue and the, you go through the bids from the beginning of the queue and the more people there are in the queue, the more it costs to get that card. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, it's, this is really like pure evil from Stefan Feld. And I usually <laughs> like his games, but this one is too bad. Yeah. Too bad, too bad. Like in the Year of the Dragon, there you just try not to die. But similar, similarly, this is too mean. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Number five. All right, my number five is the one game that I have that I do not have in my collection yet, and that is because it is the only game on my list that is not yet 
produced. However, I've played this game umpteen million times, and I've already and spoke about it um, here here on this podcast. And it is Hell the Last Saga. And I'm being kind of cheesy because I know it's my it's my company's game and all this other kind of stuff, but I don't really care. Um, as long as you're honest. Yes, no, <laughs> I'm completely honest. I can't tell you how many times I've played this game, and I love playing it every single time. And that's just the two introductory scenarios that I have at my disposal. I love mm. running people through this game so much. It's so fun. And uh, every time they put out a... One of the things I do for Mythic is I put out newscast videos, and so I have to be in contact with the product, uh, the uh, project managers, to get news whenever they have it. And and this is one of the games that I'm always hoping we have news for because I want to learn more about it. I want to see what the development team's doing. I want to see what they're tweaking and and all that kind of stuff. Um, but generally, um, Hell the Last Saga is a game. It's a narrative game. It's a Viking horror game where um, a king has been shown by the gods that he has his own Valhalla that's been set up by for him on Earth. And so he's he's given direction to the island uh, where this is, and he takes an expedition and goes there. A year later, the rest of his settlement follows him, and uh, they try to meet up with him. But when they reach the, the, the island, they are not met with any horns of recognition from their, their countrymen. They're not met with anybody on the shores welcoming them. There, there's nobody there. Um, and <clears throat> so that the whole game is this narrative to try to find out what happened to the original expedition uh, and uh, to, to figure out and to try to eke out an existence in this new land because, you know, we've, we've, we've brought our stuff, we're here, but our, our countrymen haven't shown up yet. And there are basically two kinds of scenarios in the narrative game. There are expedition scenarios and then there are camp scenarios. So during the expedition scenario, you, scenarios, you're kind of uh, going around and you're exploring the island and the forest that's there, uh, trying to find clues about what happened to your clan and fighting off uh, creatures that are attacking you. Um, but in the camp scenarios, you're, you're trying to build the camp back up. So there's more resource management. There's uh, some buildings that can be built to, to further enhance. There's going to be defenses that you can put up on your camp to help that. It also has kind of a tower defense type mechanism because while you're trying to build up your camp, you're also still being attacked by these creatures that are after you. So it's just, um, uh, I just enjoy this game immensely. And I think it's, it's just great. It's, it's five right now. But I, I could seriously see this game uh, being a very close second to my number one uh, later on uh, after it's <laughs> produced. Um, so we'll see, but I, I could definitely see it happening. But that's my number five, Hell, The Last Saga. I have no comments more to that than earlier. Let's see if I get to play it at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point. Absolutely. My number five is... Um, a Haba game, <laughs> but this is a Viking game. It's Valley of the Vikings. This is basically bowling in a board on a board. Uh -huh. There's a wooden ball, and you hit it with a cardboard, like a placard, and then try to fall some wooden barrels. And if you do, then you move uh, those Vikings on the track, and then you try to get 
money and it's a silly kids game uh-huh. and that's all there is in that. <laughs> what is it called? Valley of the Vikings. This one the spiel this year, not spiel, the kinder spiel this year, so yeah. 2019 I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just trying to pull up Valley of the Vikings. I, w- I want to see because I, I don't know if I've played this before. But Tom usually got in all of the hobby games uh, on on uh, whenever they released them. And so um, I just wanted to see if I've seen it before. But uh, yeah, it, it has a wooden ball and then it has a, this player marker like a human shaped cardboard standing and you hit the ball with that and try to yeah. hit these uh, wooden barrels on, in the middle of the town and yeah. then it has plastic coins and you put them to your boat yeah it's actually a very very nice kids game yeah it looks i i've i've uh, i have seen this around the around the studio yeah it does look cool that looks really cool all right number four all right, my number four is a game called Champions of Midgard. Champions of Midgard. And this is probably, I don't know, Raiders of the North Sea is pretty much pretty Euro-y. Um, so is Raids and Valhalla. But for me, this is probably the heaviest Euro game, Euro-style game, that uh, I have for uh, my Viking games. Uh, but it is really fun i don't know what it is but uh, oh and you have to play it with with the two expansions with the um valhalla expansion and with the um uh the mountains expansion i can't remember what what they called that one but uh the darkest mountains or something like that i can't remember but you have to play it in my opinion with those two expansions uh play it a couple times uh, with just the core box first, uh, so that you kind of get the the idea of how the game plays. But afterwards, you've got to add the two expansions in there, and you'll never go back. Um, that's how good the two expansions are with it. Um, so uh, with with uh, with Champions of Midgard, you're, you're you're basically trying to gain resources to then be able to send an expedition down to fight a monster. You get points for the different kinds of monsters. You can also send some of your guys, it's worker placement game is, is basically what it is. You can also send your guys out to go fight, you know, trolls and uh, different kinds of bandits that are raiding from the north and that type of stuff and and get points that way. You're, you're basically just trying to place your workers out in different areas that will allow you to get different kinds of points in different kinds of ways. So it's very much just, if I can say it that way, a worker placement game. But the Viking theme works really cool on it because it incorporates a lot of the different aspects of what what I see as Viking society. It's not just the 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 Viking way of going out and sailing and 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 conquering and, and exploring. There's also that aspect of you have to do things back home in your village. You have to keep the resources being built up and that type of thing, uh, so that you can go out on those expeditions. And I just thought it was a little bit more of a more kind of uh, all-encompassing way of looking at, at uh, Vikings as we see them. So I just really enjoyed it a lot. And it's one of those games that I, I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. I like it that much. But uh, that's my number four, Champions of Midgard. I really need to get this one played also. Mm. I was supposed to, but I couldn't at that moment. This is like Lords of Waterdeep, right? 
Uh, yeah, it's similar. It's similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My number four is uh, one of the first games by Scott Caputo. I think he's the master of tile laying, and it's the one of the favorite games from the Rouses from Blueback Pinkback, and this is Veluspa. Mm. Um, the artwork is by Piero, it looks really, really nice, and basically there are just small tiles, and you put the tiles on the, on the table, and create like crossword uh, shapes from the tiles, and then the, some tiles have special powers, and something happens when you place them, and you, you just try to win the game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember if you get points, or if you collect the things in the game, and I think this is two-player game, no, not with more more players because then it becomes like a chess and it's like one against one right other other players bring random elements and that's not good in this kind of a game in my opinion yeah gotcha number three all right my number three is actually a game uh that is based on history it's from academy games and it's called 878 vikings invasions of england uh, so this is a two to four player game, um, where you can play as either, uh, invading Vikings or the English nobles who are trying to withstand the Viking invasion back in the year A78. Uh, so you can play with two players where, uh, one person is controlling all of the Vikings and one person is controlling all of the English, uh, or you can play three players where, those are split up whichever way. There's basically two factions for each side. So if you play with three players, one person can be all of the English, and then the other two can be can split up the two Viking factions, or the other way around. And then if you play four players, then uh, you're going to have uh, two players on each side, each controlling their own factions, but they are still working as a team uh, against the other side. So... Um, uh, basically, players uh, decide when to end the game by calling for the Treaty of Wedmore, uh, and the team controlling the most cities by the end of that round wins the game. Uh, so it's it's very much based on history, much like all, uh, except for a couple of the Academy games are. And if you're not familiar with Academy games, they make great products. Um, and they've got this um, line of games, uh, the... Uh, Oh, what is it called? This is called the This is called the Birth of Europe. Um, but um, you mean this board game kind of games with the cubes, right? Yes, yes. yes. But, but from the but there is this USA and Canada and yes, that's correct. Yes, it uses the, the same kind of system. But but this yeah. the production on this one is a little bit better because this one has plastic minis, little tiny mm -hmm. plastic minis instead of the cubes. Um, mm -hmm. and the, the dice are custom, um, different colors, uh, for the different factions. It's really a good production and I really enjoy this a lot. It definitely scratches that historical Vikings itch that, uh, I have from time to time. So this is a tremendous game, uh, very much deserving of, uh, my number, uh, three spot. So 878 Vikings invasions of England from Academy Games. Yeah, this has been on my wish list for a while, and it was out of print, but they just came with second edition that is with a different art. Yeah. 
and I really want this game. Yes. I will probably get it without even trying it. <laughs> My number three is one of the most difficult uh, cooperative games in the world, and that is Yggdrasil. And basically, you are trying to work together with the other players who are Norse gods, and you try to fulfill different tasks before the monsters attack this um, world tree and destroy the world. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. it. It's really difficult. Yeah. And this was my Grail game. I got it uh, two years ago, I think, finally. Yeah. I tried to get it since I heard first time Z Garcia mentioned it in some video yep. years and years ago. Yep. Yep. He's, he, that's one of the ways that I first found out about Idrisil as well. Um, and I've never played it because they said it's really hard. And I'm not really one of those... I, I don't like um, cooperative games that are really hard to beat uh, more often than not. But I still want to try this be, just because it has the, the Viking, you know, uh, Viking lore theme to it. But I haven't yet because it has that moniker of being a really difficult game. So, yes. um, but I still want to try it. Yeah, it seems beatable, but it's difficult. Sure. It doesn't seem impossible. Right, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, there, there's no reason to play. If it's if it's impossible, that that would be broken <laughs> yeah. at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, okay, number two. All right, my number two is a game called uh, Fire and Axe: A Viking Saga, and uh, this one uh, goes back to an original game that was made by I believe. The Ragnar Brothers. Um, and then, uh, let me see, I believe, you know, maybe Asmodee was the one that I saw. I, I had the first one, but I can't, I can't remember. I, I, I know I that, that Pandasaurus. Kind of also, huh? That it had, the, it was this French Asmodee before Asmodee was a big yes. company. I, I think I have that kind of a feeling. I mean, reason in my head, but Geek is not working for me. So yeah, it's really it's a little it's a little spotty for me too. But I'm pretty sure it was either Asmodee. It might have been just a collaboration between Asmodee and the Ragnar Brothers. Um, was the first edition that I had, and then IDW. Uh, came out and, and Pandasaurus came out with the uh, a revamped version. Gameplay was still the same, but they had a different looking board. They had different uh, components and that type of thing. Um, and so there were some aspects of the original game that I kept. There were some components from the original game that I kept, but uh, I, I keep it all in the uh, IDW Pandasaurus games box now. Um, and the cool thing about this one for me was the nautical aspect of it, where you actually had to kind of uh, sailing at sea was, was kind of a, a resource that you had to do. So each, each of your turns, you had basically a week of things that you could do. So you had seven days at your disposal. So you could spend a couple of days uh, packing, you know, loading your ship or, uh, and then spend a couple of days uh, uh, sailing and so forth and so on. But once you reached a certain number of days sailed, you, you were done for your turn. You, you couldn't do anything else. Another thing that I liked about the game is that it, incorpor it incorporated more than just plundering and pillaging. You could also go out and trade with the different cities and the different ports that were there that a lot of people, um, they don't think about. You know, when you think about Vikings, you think about the raiding and the pillaging and the, 
and the, the murdering and all of that kind of stuff. And, and that's there. We're not glossing over that. But there was also a, a, a large group of, of Vikings that were basically just settlers. You know, they went out and they uh, traded with people and they, they, they settled different areas of land. And uh, I, I liked that Fire and Axe of Viking Saga brought that out um, and didn't just focus on uh, the killing and the pillaging. But that's definitely there, too, in the game. Because you can conquer Paris and you get a boatload of points for doing that. You can conquer, uh, you know, all of these different things. And, and you do do that. But I liked that the, the other things were there as well. Um, it does have a little thing where you have to be careful because somebody can swoop in and, and do something that you were about to do right before you do it. And it, that, that can be a little bit aggravating. But if you play your cards right, if you play... Uh, the game the way it should be played, you can usually keep people from doing that. But you have to pay attention. But it's a really fun game, great components, um, and it's something that I, I don't think I'll ever not have in my collection. That's Fire and Axe, a Viking saga, my number two. And it was Viking Fury by Ragnar Brothers. Yes. The app worked, but the website doesn't work for me. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're correct, you're correct. My number two is higher on Sam Healy's list. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> because because I know things. I played it last time five years ago. I want to play this very soon again. Yeah. You can go to your number one. No, oh, okay. I can't. I see. I yeah, see. yeah. It's higher on your I list. I see what so you're you doing. Can, you okay, can, okay. Gotcha. You can take the time. All right. So my number. Oh, here we go. Number one. No, wait. We got to do it correctly. And finally, <laughs> number one. There we go. Well done. All right. So number one, uh, yeah. If 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 you know me at all, you knew this was going to be my number one. It still is. Uh, that is Blood Rage, uh, designed by Eric Lang, put out by Come On Games, um, and it is by far it's my best. It's my favorite game of all time. Not just my favorite Viking game. Um, I just really enjoy the aspects of this game and how they come together. I love the drafting cards aspect of the game. I love how um, the area control mechanism of the game that, that works. Um, I love how you can custom tailor your clan however you want to do by choosing what cards to draft or what not to draft. I love the, the tension that's there, knowing that this person has this card already in their thing. And if I let them have this card, it's going to be really strong. But I really want this other card. I love that tension that's there. Uh, because sometimes you have to go with something a little bit less to keep somebody else from getting something that's really, really strong. Um, uh, the miniatures are amazingly well done. Uh, the artwork in the game is really good as well. There's just It just hits on all of the cylinders that are in my engine. So um, it's it's my favorite game of all time, and I, don't, I do not foresee it being dethroned anytime in the near future. So that is my number one, Blood Rage. Yeah, this was my number two, and this will actually drop from my top 90, top 100 games if I don't get it played <laughs> in a year. Because it's been five years since I played it the last time. It's just too long. Yeah. Although it is still there at the end of the list currently. Yeah. My number one is my number three game of all time, and this is Feast for Odin. Oh, okay. And this is my favorite, Uwe Rosenberg, and it's my favorite... Uh, Euro game also. I don't know if it will be next time I make the list, but currently it is, and I really like it because 
this shows the other side of the Vikings besides the battle. Yes. You have to eat and drink meat and make animals breed so you can eat them and then you eat the food and then you go to raids and then you produce things and this has so many different aspects in it. Yes. Of course it's not very thematic but it can be considered thematic and especially when you add this Norwegian's expansion to this that fixes everything that you didn't know was wrong in the base game. Yeah. Because it changes the board. It makes it cuts the number of this uh, accent places to half almost and it makes it much tighter and you have less um, decision space that you have to spend deciding what accents to do because there are no useless accents yeah. and it fixes everything with the game that there could have been wrong That's cool. it's just perfection and the new one is Danes I think that is coming that will bring lots of cards if I mm-hmm. understood wrong, uh, wrong if I understood correctly yeah I don't know when it's coming. For the longest time, I didn't play this game because it has so many options to it. And it's like it's like uh, option overload almost for me. But yeah. um, I was able to play it a couple weeks ago for the mm-hmm. first time at a buddy of mine's house. And we just played it two-player. He was able to walk me through it and, and kind of you know baby, baby step me through it. And it was really a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. It's not, you know... it. It's, it's a lot of fun for me for a Euro game. I'm not really a Euro gamer, although I'll play them. Um, but, yeah, this one this one was a lot of fun for me as far as Euro games go. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying it out again with, with uh, some of those expansions that um, we didn't use the first time because we were just trying to ease me into it. So, uh, But, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see, you know, Rosenberg is one of those, you know, just... You know, talk about paragons. You know, he he just he just, he's just such a, a, a great designer. I, I can't say that I like all of his stuff, but he's a brilliant person and he's a brilliant designer. Um, but yeah. uh, it, it, Feast Forward is a great game. Yeah, it's one of us, uh, mine and the wife's favorite two-player games. Oh, yeah. And this is especially two-player game to me with the Norwegian exp- expansion. It's like almost perfection. Yeah, that's cool. I'll have to give that a try then. Yeah. And especially two-player. It works very well with the expansion. Okay. All right. Certainly we'll try it out then. All right. So uh, there will be a paddle after this list. I will put this to Instagram and Twitter and people can vote and okay. also to Facebook. Do you think that you will win? Uh, I don't know. I don't... Uh... I'm sure you will win. My list sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Again, that's that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. You know, I think people will enjoy your list better than mine. I think people will enjoy my list better than yours. So uh, yeah. it, I, I think it'll be, uh, you know, who 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 knows? Let's let, let's just put it up there and see what happens. Yeah. So you're probably out of time, as far as I've understood, but yeah. if people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, well, I am on Facebook. Um, uh, I, I'm on Facebook. You can find me there. Um, I am on Twitter as well. Um, I do some, some of the work I do for, for Mythic Games is on Twitter, so I'll, I'll be posting stuff on my personal account and on the Mythic account. Um, I'm also on Discord. Mythic Games has a a Discord server, and and so we'll we'll I spend some time there as well. So I'm on the Geek. Um, so any of those you can reach out, 
and uh, I'll do my best to get back to you as quickly as I can. But uh, any of those things are, are just fine. And Sam actually reads his Instagram messages, unlike 90% of the other <laughs> content creators, of former content creators. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining me and you really have to run, I think, so we need to end. Yeah, I do. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me the time to, to come on, Yanni. I, I do appreciate that. Thank you for, for allowing me to do that and keep up the good work. Yeah. So, but you're a paragon, and we wanted to hear how you are doing currently. Well, we miss you so well, much from the top ten yeah, videos. Yeah. Well, I, I thank you. I, I certainly don't view myself that way. So I appreciate the compliment, but uh, um, it, it's it's good to talk. So yeah. uh, I, I appreciate for the the opportunity. Yeah. Tom actually threw a ball at you in the beginning of their newest top ten list. Probably you didn't get to watch it yet with Sarah Sarah Shah. No, I haven't. Uh, just watch the beginning. He throws you a ball <laughs> okay all right i'll check that out yeah then. anyway thank you for joining me and bye 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 thanks yanni thank you for listening you can find this podcast from soundcloud with username mitapelataan you can also find the podcast from apple podcasts and spotify should be in amazon podcasts also at some point and it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username mitapelataan. There's a page in Facebook, mitapelata, and you can just search by mitapelataan and you should find me from many places. I have a blog mitapelataan.wordpress.com where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching mitapelataan. You can send me email to mitapelatan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in BoardGameGeek number 3320. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And if you listen this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening and bye bye. The music used in this series was Nightwalker by Sensant Pulse. Thank you for that. Let me go ahead and pull up the... Uh... Um, I should have done this before. I apologize. <laughs> uh, let's see. I was planning on doing this, but from Board Game Geek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, um... I have them ready. <clears throat> oh, let's see. We are at what fours now. Yeah, how's your time, by the way? Um, we're getting close, so we'll probably have to pick it up a little bit. Um, That's why I'm trying to be fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, I was never good at that, so uh, we'll, we'll we'll try. Yeah. To, we'll try to pick it But up. But you're not doing your thing. <laughs> no, you're not making us guess. Right. I really liked it so much when you made us guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're on what number? Four? 
four now? Is that right? Four, four, yeah. Okay. 